You've heard me talk about my preferred fish oil brand, Vital Nutrients, offering a line of 11 ultra-pure omega-3 solutions. Well, I'm happy to report that they also offer a great line of premium quality, clinically relevant, professional-grade products which help support optimal immune function, including quercetin, NAC, Viracon, and Allerc. Quercetin supports healthy sinus and respiratory function. NAC delivers antioxidant support. Viracon is a unique herbal formula for comprehensive immune system support. And Aller-C provides respiratory histamine and sinus support. I'm so impressed with these products that I took them with me on my recent trip to Iceland. For more information and to order, go to vitalnutrients.co. That's vitalnutrients.co. Vital Nutrients products are formulated by healthcare professionals utilizing peer-reviewed research, bioavailable and bioactive ingredients in therapeutic doses. I take them and use them in my practice. Just go to vitalnutrients.co and check them out. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman, a podcast that I'm very much uh, looking forward to because uh, today I get to talk to a person who I considered a a mentor of mine uh, back in uh, medical school when I decided to get into nutritional medicine. uh, There weren't that many role models, but uh, this doctor who we're about to speak to uh, was out there uh, providing nutrition education. Uh, at that point, I was listening to his lectures on cassette tapes. Uh, remember how you, those used to get all snaggled up and we would take a pencil and uh, rewind them? Uh, I would pop them into uh, the cassette player in my car. And as I was uh, stuck in traffic on my way to medical school, uh, I would listen uh, for hours to his discourses. Uh, the famous Wright Gaby series, uh, he, along with uh, Dr. Jonathan Wright, Uh, did some wonderful educational uh, lectures about the role that nutrition plays. And I found that personally inspiring. It helped uh, launch me on my professional career. So I uh, have a great uh, debt of gratitude to owe to today's guest, Dr. Alan Gaby. Uh, Dr. Gaby is also uh, author of a very authoritative text entitled Nutritional Medicine. It has literally... Uh, thousands of references that he's compiled over uh, many decades of his professional career. And uh, he is about to publish a third iteration of nutritional medicine. Uh, welcome to Intelligent Medicine, Alan. It's a pleasure having you on the program. Thanks, Dr. Huffman. It's good to be with you. I haven't talked to you in a long time. Indeed. Uh, so uh, today's theme is based on an editorial that you wrote in the Townsend Letter. And it has the intriguing title, They're Telling Us That Nutritional Supplements Are a Waste of Money. And so you held forth on that theme. And uh, that's the subject of today's program, because there's been a lot of, uh, I would say, uh, I would call it uh, propaganda, uh, for lack of a better word, that suggests that uh, people are being duped by the supplement industry, uh, that uh, the benefits of supplements are unsubstantiated, uh, and that essentially uh, it's a big waste of money. It's a $37 billion industry, according to the latest statistics, uh, but people aren't getting any bang for their buck. Uh, if that's the case, uh, literally the, the hundreds and hundreds of pages that you've written on the subject of nutritional medicine, uh, it's all invalid. 
What say you? Oh, no, I've wasted my entire adult life. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, actually, uh, in late June, uh, there was a flurry of media reports that had almost all the same headlines. Vitamins, supplements are a waste of money for most, task force says. Or, are you wasting your money on supplements? Most likely, experts say. And multiple newspapers, multiple television uh, shows uh, online, they all had kind of the same headline, which was kind of curious because the task force report that they were referring to did not even say that. What the task force said was that they concluded the evidence is insufficient to determine the balance of benefit and harm from supplementing with multivitamins for the prevention of cardiovascular disease and cancer. So to uh, summarize what I just said, what the task force said is we don't know for sure whether taking vitamins and minerals prevents uh, heart disease and cancer. No, and, it, didn't, uh, strict, it didn't meet the threshold of the very high evidentiary threshold that the USPS, uh, whatever the uh, USPSTF, the USPSTF, which is the U.S. Preventative Services Task Force, has for proving that something's efficacious. And I would hasten to remind our audience that it's the very same task force that is cast out on the efficacy of breast cancer screening and prostate cancer screening. They've even said, well, you know, it's not enough evidence that, uh, you know, some of these measures really save lives. So they're kind of equal opportunity skeptics about things. Yeah, they have a very high level uh, of evidence for proof. Uh, but, but another point is that uh, I wasn't invited to be on that task force. <laughs> Nor I. Uh, there are a number of uh, so-called consensus panels where they only invite people who agree with them. So uh, when you get a report like this, uh, even though it was much softer than what the media said, and as an aside, it's like, why did the media all have the same uh, headlines? Probably because there was some press release put out by someone, we don't know who, but likely a representative of the pharmaceutical industry, and the press release probably said what these uh, reporters just took as gospel and put in their headlines. Um, I've heard it uh, said before that uh, pharmaceutical reps have bragged that it's so easy to get a press release out that bashes nutritional supplements. Well, anyway, what the, uh, what the task force looked at was three major studies on whether vitamins and minerals can prevent heart disease and cancer, and they actually found some evidence of a benefit, and the studies that uh, did not show evidence of benefit were relatively weak. So the one study that showed a benefit, they used a handful of antioxidant vitamins, such as vitamin C, vitamin E, zinc, beta carotene. And what they found, interestingly, there was a statistically significant 30% reduction in cancer incidence among men who got the supplement compared to those who got the placebo. And there was no effect in women. That should have made people really excited to figure out why that was and to figure out if there are more rational supplements that could be used. But uh, instead, that was reported as showing no overall benefit. Hmm. The other two studies uh, showed a non-statistically significant improvement in mortality. In other words, there was about a 6% reduction in mortality in people who got the vitamins and minerals than the, in those who got the placebo but the difference was not statistically significant. Now, people often erroneously conclude 
that when you don't show statistical significance, you have proven that something does not work. Any mathematician or statistician will tell you that's not correct. What the proper conclusion should have been is that there was a 6% reduction in the death rate from the vitamins and minerals, but we are less than 95% certain certain mm -hmm. that that improvement was real as opposed to being due to chance. So there was actually a trend towards a benefit, and in the one study, a great benefit, but it gets even a little worse than that, because if you look at the studies where they only showed a modest, non-statistically significant benefit, what did they give them? They gave them Centrum Silver. Yes. Now, Centrum Silver, aside from being a very uh, low-potency supplement, also for a long period during this study, until they changed the formulation, they had zinc and no copper. Now, mm -hmm. we know, nutritionists all know that long-term use of zinc can deplete copper, and the copper deficiency can increase the risk of heart disease, and presumably increased risk of death. So here they're giving a supplement which is not wisely formulated, which if properly formulated would likely have produced better results. Also, now, the, the I, forms I, of some of the nutrients in Centrum uh, are some of the cheapest, uh, most uh, synthetic forms of certain key nutrients. So there's folic acid instead of folate. Uh, there's uh, a rather cheap dry form of synthetic vitamin E instead of uh, mixed tocopherols with tocotrienols. Uh, beta carotene, which in some studies is proven harmful uh, instead of mixed carotenoids, and, and on and on it goes. Less bioavailable forms of magnesium and so on. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> now, excuse me, if I can backtrack just sure. one second. I said there was no copper in there. What I should have said is that there was copper in there, but it was in a form that cannot be absorbed by humans. Oh, so wow. they did change that eventually. Maybe uh, they were reading my editorials over the years hmm. telling them uh, that they're not wisely formulating this product, or maybe they figured it out themselves. But anyway, um, the you other got thing no consultation fee from the manufacturers of Centrum for the, for the, for the suggestion. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, so the other things that Centrum contains is a lot of extraneous substances. I'll give you a short list of them. FDNC blue aluminum lake. That's a, a food dye. FDNC red 40 aluminum lake. FDNC yellow, six, aluminum lake, polyethylene glycol, that's chemi chemically similar to antifreeze, and uh, it's got a little bit of talc in it and a bunch of other things. So we can't prove that the low doses of these uh, extraneous compounds are harmful, but it is certainly possible, especially the ones that have the word aluminum in there. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, especially the ones that have the word aluminum in there, because there's reasonably good evidence that long-term exposure to aluminum increases the risk of both Alzheimer's disease and osteoporosis. So the conclusion the task force should have come up with is there is some evidence that these supplements can prevent heart disease and cancer, and some of the studies where it wasn't that great, probably a better supplement could have been used. The task force uh, did say appropriately that the failure to show proof of effectiveness against heart disease and cancer does not invalidate the possibility mm -hmm. that um, supplements can be good for you in other ways. Now, 
how often do people come in and say, doctor, I feel great and I want to go on a supplement program to prevent heart disease and cancer? Not very often. And what they do is they say, I'm tired, I'm depressed, I have premenstrual syndrome, I mm-hmm. ache, I get migraine headaches. There is good evidence for all of the things I just mentioned that an expertly formulated program of diet and nutritional supplements, and the supplements are an important component, can either prevent or treat effectively all of the conditions and many dozens of more other conditions. And in their, uh, in their report, they did acknowledge that, that maybe there are some benefits that they didn't look at. So why, why is it that uh, you suspect that there seems to be a coordination? I mean, there's coordination uh, at a governmental level because currently uh, there are bills before Congress that seek to further regulate the supplement industry. Uh, the mainstream press seems to be all in with lurid headlines. I, I even have one from uh, this week, uh, which is uh, enti- the, the headline is placebos and hidden drugs. America's $37 billion dietary supplements industry exposed. Uh, you know, it's, it, it, there's so there seems to be collusion there. And then there's certainly a lot of buy in from medical professionals, not us, certainly, but uh, skeptical doctors who believe that their patients are being built by supplement companies. Uh, and then there's the pharmaceutical companies uh, who, interestingly, uh, many of them have actually bought uh, supplement companies of late. Uh, but uh, so. You know, conspiracy theorists think that uh, perhaps this is an effort to uh, uh, favor uh, the medical industrial complex uh, to, in effect, uh, keep people from helping themselves and increasing their reliance on pharmaceutical drugs and the medical establishment. Well, as we all know, there's a major difference. There are many major differences, but the one I'm going to focus on between prescription drugs and supplements is it is impossible to sell a supplement for $85,000 a year, which uh, they're doing for many of these drugs that are currently being advertised on television. You cannot patent natural substances, and therefore they're more like commodities than monopoly substances. So to the extent that people use nutritional supplements as an alternative to prescription medications, it is a major threat to the pharmaceutical industry. Uh, Now, can I prove that they're uh, behind this uh, smear campaign against supplements? Uh, Not really, but I've seen evidence over the years pointing in that direction. Uh, We also know that the pharmaceutical industry is among the largest, if not the largest, campaign donors to uh, politicians. And we're not talking about one side or the other. They donate Mm -hmm. to both. Mm -hmm. They want to make sure whoever gets in power is on their side. Uh, so they got a lot of lobbying. They spend uh, hundreds of millions of dollars a year on lobbying. And uh, well, actually, I just made that amount up. I don't, I don't know how much they, <laughs> I don't well, that's, they, that's they probably, spend. That's probably accurate in aggregate. Yeah. You know, I think some of the leading uh, 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 Congress people uh, receive uh, upwards of a million dollars, perhaps as much as two or three okay. million dollars from the supplement industry. So, you know, in aggregate, that that is likely to be okay. true. Maybe I did read that somewhere. The other thing that occurs is there's this thing that Ralph Nader referred to as deferred rewards. Uh, people that are in the Food and Drug Administration uh, move laterally back and forth to the drug industry, back to the FDA, and they all know each other. And uh, there's this unspoken idea that if uh, FDA officials rule favorably 
in ways that benefit the drug industry that maybe they'll get a really cushy job with the drug industry once they leave government. So Nader uh, wrote a whole lot about that, and uh, I don't know what ex- to what extent that occurs now, but that would explain uh, why uh, there's so much publicity. Now, now why, the, uh, why the media goes along with it, maybe it's just laziness. A, uh, a press release comes out, and people don't mm-hmm. want to dig deeper. They just want to get story. their story you know, It's, it's pre, pre-masticated and, you know, pre-digested and you can just virtually quote it verbatim. And so yeah. there's a lot of reporters who perhaps aren't doing their homework. And, or, you know, but certainly there's uh, confirmation bias uh, on their parts because many of them are, are skeptical about supplements. So they get a press release, uh, you know, they, they tart it up a little bit and that's an instant story, you know, that, that helps them with their deadlines. Yeah, well, the uh, the nutrition industry is not blameless. There's a lot of hype that goes on. People make claims for products that are well beyond what the research mm-hmm. supports. Mm-hmm. So uh, it is very easy. You know, in politics, one side always can come up with the most egregious example of what the other side said to make them look bad. It's not hard for people who are opposed to supplements to come up with some some uh, non-evidence-based claims that are being made by the natural supplement industry. So, uh, you know, I think we need to clean up our act as well. Indeed. And, and we'll get into that uh, a little bit in part two. But uh, I want to uh, have you uh, 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 comment on one of the assertions in a, uh, in a newspaper article it just came out a couple of days ago uh, in the Daily Mail, which is a Brit paper, but they got a U.S. edition. Uh, they say a growing body of evidence suggests that at best, even basic vitamin pills offer no discernible health benefits what say you well (laughs) i'd say that's ridiculous um i mean if you look at my textbook the nutritional medicine textbook it's got seventeen thousand eight hundred citations to the medical literature and uh, probably 80 percent of the ones that i cite show a positive effect from uh various nutritional supplements or dietary modifications. Some of those citations are to dietary modifications, but there are thousands of randomized double-blind placebo-controlled trials uh, for hundreds of different conditions. Uh, And if you look at various chapters, there's a whole list of things that have been tried and the ones that work and the ones that don't work. So uh, I would uh, encourage those who are interested in, in coming to the truth to actually read the research and not just uh, take some shallow comment made in a newspaper article and accept that as gospel. Indeed. And, you know, that book is available uh, to uh, especially practitioners. It should be in uh, every uh, health practitioner's office. Uh, But also some of our uh, more uh, enlightened listeners may want to get a hold of it because, uh, well, you know, when you hear about uh, a supplement and its purported benefits for, say, you know, let's pick a condition that you've written about, uh, ulcerative colitis, uh, Parkinson's disease, you may get uh, want to get the lowdown, uh, the latest on on the research that substantiates or uh, negates the benefits of, of one or another supplement. And, and I know that you're about to uh, update it because uh, nutrition science is a work in progress. And so uh, the half-life of the knowledge uh, is probably about five years. In other words, a half of the stuff that you may have said uh, requires updating. So you're about to work on a, a third edition? Yes. Well, the first edition came out in 2010 after 30 years of work putting it together. 
The second edition was 2017. Uh, and the third edition, I'm figuring about two years from now. And research cited in this book goes all the way back to 1900. A lot of the stuff that we, that we know today uh, has not been followed up in the last 50 years. So I have citations, uh, not only the most current stuff, uh, but from far back as well. And uh, the number of uh, life-altering changes that have occurred in the medical literature uh, in the past six years that'll be part of the update is surprisingly small. I mean, I can think of some really dramatic things, like now there's some evidence that vitamin B3 can be useful for preventing or treating glaucoma. Mm -hmm. There are a few other studies. But a lot of this stuff has been around for years, and the problem is not so much that the research isn't there, but that the medical profession is not looking at it. Right. And, you know, frequently, and, and patients can attest to this, uh, you know, they often tell me that, you know, they go to their conventional doctors and their doctors say, well, look, if it was, if this stuff was so great, you know, there'd be studies and <laughs> to substantiate the benefits of these vitamins. And they just, they seem to be oblivious of the fact that there's a vast amount of literature about this. Well, one of the things my, uh, uh, some people who have purchased my book who are not practitioners the reason they uh, they did it is so they can photocopy a chapter right. that relates to their specific condition with the references, take it into the doctor and show the doctor that there is research. And in some cases, um, the doctor gets interested, looks it up, realizes that the evidence is out there. And then in, in, in rare cases, maybe it'll be less rare in the future, they actually start practicing nutritional medicine themselves when they realize they've been misled about the body of evidence. Indeed. And, you know, you've been uh, an observer on the scene and an active participant uh, uh, since you began your career. I guess it must have been in the 1970s. You know, you, you soon after you uh, graduated from medical school, uh, you opted for a career in uh, what we now call functional medicine, then called holistic medicine or nutritional medicine, integrated medicine. Take your pick. Uh, are, are you pleased with the evolution of this uh, branch of uh, medicine? Well, I would say that it's uh, slower than I had hoped it would be when I first looked at this in the 1970s, uh, but it is moving forward. There are more and more practitioners, unfortunately not as many MDs as we would like, but that's growing as well. But naturopathic doctors, many dietitians, many chiropractors, many uh, nutritionists, uh, acupuncturists are looking at this. And uh, more and more medical doctors as well. Andrew Weil has a fellowship program where he graduates about 30 medical doctors per year. Uh, and he does nutritional medicine in addition to seven or eight other types of modalities in integrative medicine. But, yeah, I think it's moving slowly and uh, hopefully it'll continue to go in that direction. Indeed. Okay. On that note, let's pause because we divide our podcast into two parts. In part two, uh Alan uh, Gaby, you're a guy who doesn't pull his punches uh, when it comes to conventional medicine, but also when it comes to uh, some of the uh, vogues in natural medicine. We'll uh, address some of those in part two uh, and talk about uh, a highly publicized case in which it's alleged that the wife of uh, Republican Congressman Tom McClintock died from taking an herbal remedy. We'll uh, examine that case when we return. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Our guest today, Dr. Alan Gaby, author of the textbook, Nutritional Medicine, 
And this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast.